Don't just long that God take away the circumstance. Long that through the circumstance, your worship ignites. That's hope as he does something amazing and healing in your life. Well, it's great to be here with you today, man. We are in a series called Hope That Heals. Hope That Heals. We're talking about being able to learn to look at our God through a lens of hope. And what does that mean and what does that do for us each week, looking at a different facet of our struggle and what we can find in our King that we can hang our hope on. May God get all the glory. Today, we're looking at, uh, when we're looking into the midst of struggle and we're confused, confused beyond all measure. Lord God, I don't know what you're doing. Lord God, I don't know where you're going. Lord God, I don't know how long this is going to last. Lord, I don't know. Fill in the blank, right? Confused. And what do we do with that? And our answer is, may we hope on the one who is merciful and purposeful. Merciful and purposeful. So do me a favor, turn with me, if you will, to Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 19. Lamentations Chapter 3, starting in verse 19, maybe not a book you tend to go to. That book is in the Old Testament, about halfway in there. Look for Lamentations. You can do a table of contents if you need to. Get to Lamentations, chapter 3, starting in verse 19, and, and we'll get going here. First point is hope in the steadfast love of your God. Hope in the steadfast love of your God. May we place our hope in the one who is steadfast, right? We're going to see that roll out in this passage here. So as we get going, let's make sure we have a little context. Never jump into a passage not knowing what's going on. Make sure we have context. So the context of Lamentations, it's actually a collection of laments. That's why it's named Lamentations. It's a collection of complaints, crying out to God, longing for him to do something, and then looking ultimately to place hope back in him. It's being written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet who was actually called the weeping prophet. He wrote a lot of laments. He lived lament. Uh, Jeremiah was living in a time where um, the nation of Judah, right, a split off of Israel, the nation of Judah was under great oppression. He was watching horrible things happen. He was seeing a future that was looking rough and he was talking to the nation about that and he was becoming the voice of God to them saying, here's what's going on and here's what I'm crying out for and these laments. As we pick it up in chapter 3 verse 19, this is actually turning to the upside of one of his laments. He's getting done saying, man, here's how hard it's going for me, verses 1 through 18. Here's some struggles I have. Here's what's going on. But as we pick it up in verse 19, he's beginning to say, but here's my hope. All right? So here we go. Hope in the steadfast love of your God, starting in verse 19. He says, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. He's talking to God. He's lamenting out and he's crying out. He says, Lord God, please remember my afflictions. Maybe another way to say that is, Lord, don't forget where I've been. Don't forget the heartache that I've tasted. Don't forget how rough it's been on me. Please remember my affliction and my 
wanderings, kind of using that Exodus term, like wandering in the desert, the heartache of it all, the loneliness of it all, Lord, the struggle along the way. Please, God, don't forget what I've been walking through. Remember me and remember where I'm at. Lord God, I hand this struggle to you. He says the wormwood and the gall, those are both things that taste bitter, like very bitter, nasty. They make your face cringe up and wormwood and gall, he's like, Lord, I tasted of these afflictions and they made me cringe with the bitterness of the experience. I tasted these afflictions and they were bitter. Lord, may you please not forget me in the midst of that. It says my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. My soul remembers and is bowed down like I'm taking on the weight of looking back and remembering the junk of this world is hurting. And as I'm reviewing the disappointments, it's like a pack on my back that just keeps bringing me down. Man, are you there? Are you experiencing some levels of disappointment or pain or sorrow or heartache that as you think of your day yesterday or this past week, you feel a weight causing your soul to just bow down, to begin to give knees buckle and start to collapse. Lord, it almost feels like it's too much for me. God, I can barely handle it. My soul is starting to collapse as I review it. I love this moment. He says, but, have you ever had those prayer moments with your God where you're like, God, I can barely take this anymore. Lord, I, I can't stand this. And maybe it's the Holy Spirit tapping on your soul in that moment. Maybe it's something you remember that just for an instant brings a smile to your face. All of a sudden you realize there is something going on that's good. He says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. He's like, hang on, God, it's not all bad. I know there's some things that have been hurting and God, I've been real with you about that. In fact, I've been 18 verses of real right now in chapter three. And Lord God, as I bring this thing to a corner, Lord, I know there's one thing I can hope in. Everybody just say hope. Yeah. Say it louder, say it bigger, don't miss it. Hope, say it big. Lord God, we hope in you. Now he goes, he said, here's one thing I have hope in. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord. In fact, this word steadfast love that we translate into the English, the steadfast love, this is actually in the Hebrew, a word chesed, right? You got to say it where it's got a little bit of that sound at the front, right? Chesed. Say it with me, man. Chesed. That word that's a Hebrew word and it means steadfast love. It's saying, my God is with me. He will not leave me. In the middle of some of my disappointments, in the middle of feeling weighed down, I look to my God and I note, he is my hope. Head, head fat, our steadfast love, chesed. May we celebrate it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Steadfast never ceases. Don't miss those. Steadfast never ceases. My God's love pouring into my life in amazing ways. See, here's the deal. We often start to measure it by, Lord God, here's what I think love would look like if you did it this way. 
So Lord, I'm going to start looking for you to do it that way in my life. And as I look for you to do it that way, when I see that, then I will feel loved. And uh, everybody just say, that's a terrible plan. That is a terrible plan, man. When we start to measure out what we think God's love should look like, know this, your God loves you. Now let the one who knows everything can do anything and loves you with an unceasing love, let him reason into your life. Let him show into your life what that love should look like. Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, I'm hoping in you. It doesn't say the exact ways that you will love me are known and understood by me, and that's why I'm hoping. It says, Lord, I just know your love is unleashed into my life, and so I'm hoping in that, your plan of love. Lord God, I look for you to do amazing things. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. His mercies never end. Like his steadfast love and his mercies, they're directly attached together. He loves you with all he's got. And so his mercies are pouring on. His mercies are pouring in. What is mercy? It's when he holds back the things that we would rightly deserve. That's a mercy. When he holds back what we would rightly deserve. And he's like, Lord God, I love that there's so many things I've done wrong. There's so many places I've been in error. There's so many things that I should have been working on and But you have brought mercy repeatedly, regularly, never ending. It's the same as your steadfast love. I love that you're pouring into my life. Thank you, God. He says, one thing I know for sure, while the circumstances may be tough, my God and his love are phenomenal. And all of God's people said, and don't miss that. May we lean on our king and all that he is. It says, um, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Like the song that was just sung for the offertory. Lord God, you are faithful. And Lord, I thank you that every day there is a fresh set of mercies poured into my life. That every day when I wake up, refreshment from the sleep, refreshment and renewal from my time with you, and your mercies renewing and pouring into my life. Thank you, God, for the mercies that never end and for the mercies that are new every morning. And let that be a part of your prayer request. Lord God, may I taste of today's mercy. You hear that plan? Lord God, may I taste of today's mercy. All too often we try to write down yesterday's mercy or last week's mercy and we try to mull on that and live on that, but missing out on today's mercy. Your God's mercy is new every day. Lord, what do I need to see of you and from you today? May you get all the glory. His mercies are new every day. May we look for it. Great is his faithfulness. He is faithful. Everybody just say faithful. Right? Louder and bigger, faithful. And don't miss that. Your God is to be trusted. And that's why you're hoping in him. Because he is faithful. And his mercies are new every day. It says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Remember, this same soul that was just weighed down 
with the affliction that was pouring in, with the wanderings that were going on, that soul that was bending almost to breaking. Now it says, but this is my soul's portion. As I look to you, as I think on you, as I reflect on you, as I daily find out what is awesome about you. Man, all too often we try to live on one mercy and one truth of our God and make that last months as we try to reflect back on it. And we wonder why it begins to fade a little bit on its effect to our soul. And the answer is because you're continuing to experience life and God is continuing to pour in new, fresh mercies. But we're hanging back here on something. Don't miss the right here and the right now with your God. His mercies are new every day. His portion is there for your soul. In fact, portion, it means filled to the top and absolutely satisfying portion. May God's mercies fill you up. He says, therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, right, what's the therefore? Therefore, it's there to connect it together because your mercies are new, because they're pouring in, because I have you with me, because I can count on you as faithful, because you are my filling up and it is absolutely satisfying. You are my portion because every day that's true. I will hope in you. And we place our hope in our God and it rocks our world. May your God be your anchor for tomorrow. Anchor your tomorrow in him and watch him do amazing work in you. You know, this summer was actually supposed to be the Olympics and uh, it all got postponed and canceled because of all that was going on with the coronavirus. But uh, the Olympics, I love sitting down and watching it. I love watching, especially the Summer Olympics, watching all the different uh, events going on with that. I was really looking forward to it for this summer. Bummed that it's not there. But, you know, there was an original game with the original Greek Olympics that uh, it had nothing to do with the one who crossed the line first. And you might be like, dude, that sounds like a lame race, right? It had nothing to do with the one who crossed the line first. It had something to do with this. You had to cross the line first with your flame lit. So it wasn't just race. It was race while caring for the flame. So they each would start out, they would light the torch, and then they would take off moving. They had to measure how much they moved. They had to protect the flame. Any wind that came in, they had to watch it. The goal was protecting the flame. And the one that ended up getting to the end with flame lit, and they crossed the line first, that's the one who was honored as winner. There was nothing that was given to them except this privilege. They would then take that flame, and they would go up to the top to this giant candle basically and they would light it and that would be the start of the rest of the games. Does that sound familiar? Right and so they use a little bit of that model in the Olympics where they pass along the torch. People are running along. Of course now we use a torch that like can't ever blow out. Right we got all the magic whatever they have with it and whatever they're burning with it so it stays lit all the time and they get to the end and it's more an honor. They've chosen some individual that's going to go up and have the right as a person as a character in the nation or in the world to be able to light that. And so it has nothing to do with the one who protected the flame as much. It has more to just do with the honor of the person chosen. The original Olympics you protected the flame. You kept the flame lit. You have the honor. 
Here's the deal, man. May we protect the flame of our worship for Jesus Christ in our soul. May we protect that with all we've got. The goal is not to just run. The goal is not to just achieve. The goal is to be able to cross the line with our flame lit for Jesus Christ. Man, may we worship our God with all we've got. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Keep your flame lit on fire daily, regularly, looking for the mercies of your God to blow you away. May God get all the glory. Hope in him and his steadfast love. Point number two, wait. Wait patiently for our God who will bring salvation. Wait patiently for our God who will bring salvation. Now, if you notice the first word in point number two here is wait. And if you remember back to last week's sermon in point number two, the first word there was wait. What we're going to find is a recipe all over scripture is when we're going after hope, there has to be some level of patience. There has to be some level of endurance. There has to be some holding on and waiting on our God. With hope comes patience. We have to see those two tied together. And he says, wait patiently in the midst. Here we go. He starts out, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. And as we wake up each day and go, okay, God, I'm handing this day to you. Lord, I'm waiting on you to reveal yourself. Maybe it's in the moment right now as I taste of this mercy. Maybe as I'm pouring into your scripture and you remind me of someone that you are, character that you're going after. Lord God, I long to see you do a work. You are the good God of the universe. And as his character of goodness pours into your life, man, it's gonna rock your world. Don't miss it. Your God loves you and he is longing to be good to you. May we wait on him and watch him pour in in the mercies that are fresh and new every day. I'm telling you one of the top ways we can experience that is a little bit of time in the word. Being able to open it up and go after it. You might be like, Dude, I don't even know where to start when I open the word. And jump into our reading plan. We've got it up on the website. You can track with that. If you get to our notes, we've got it with those as well. But man, I'm telling you, you track with our reading plan on a daily basis. Gives you a little bit of a passage to read. You can look at. Those reading plans are all tied back to the sermon from the prior Sunday. And then Friday looks forward to the next Sunday. What's coming up in two days. So track with that reading plan. Just spend a little bit of time saying, Lord God, I long to see your mercy and your goodness in this passage now and then dig in and watch what God does as he refreshes your soul. It says the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Lord, may we keep our flame lit for you. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Wait quietly. This is Jeremiah, the one who had really let out some pretty verbal laments. But he's like, man, I'm telling you, I have found it works better to wait quietly on the Lord. What is he saying with that? Um, down with whining. That's what he's saying. He's saying, man, Lord, may I more celebrate you. May I spend time on you. Lord, may I not practice what I don't like with my words. 
May I not try to find human beings that I can say, you know what, look how unfair this was to me. Or you know what I don't like to see? Or you know, I wonder what God's doing here. Or maybe we start shaking our fist at God and we're like, Lord God, I'm wondering where you're at in this. He's like, don't do that. Wait quietly. Man, set down your whining. Set down your complaining. Pick up your, okay, God, I'm looking for your mercy. Wait quietly for him and his salvation, it says, from the Lord. And uh, Jeremiah looking for the salvation of a nation, looking for people to be restored, looking for a kingdom to be righted, looking for God to do an amazing work on a big level. And Lord, may you do an amazing work in each of our lives. And maybe it is spiritual salvation. Lord, I'm looking to give my life to you and make that clear to me now. Man, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ, to be saying to him, I am ready to believe that you are God of the universe. I believe you are risen from the dead. I believe it. You're alive. There's power in you. Believe it. And I'm ready to give you charge of my life. Take over and watch God move massively in your life. Man, that's saved to believe he has risen from the dead and confess him as Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. May we worship our God and long for his salvation. Maybe it's spiritually, maybe it's in some situation in your life. Man, look for your God to do his work in his time, waiting quietly upon him. It says, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. I got to tell you, there's a little bit of confusion or disagreement on what this might mean. Some would say, this is, you know what, our impetuousness, our sinfulness, we see a lot more of it when we're younger, right? We're a little more brash, a little bit more irrational. We just want what we want. And as we go after those things, well, it brings a lot more affliction and punishments and pains. And let's be honest, it's consequences washing on our shore. And maybe this is speaking to the youth that experiences a little more consequence to their not thinking through things. Uh, Maybe that. Or maybe this is also speaking to, you know, youth tend to have a little bit more energy, a little bit more kick, a little bit more fight. And maybe it's also saying, you know, as we're young, as we're having that energy and fight, we're being able to learn through things and grow through things. And God is growing us in those things. And this is a plan of God's to allow us in our strength, in our energies to have to face those afflictions. And whatever it means, it clearly means this. Be wise to what God's put you in and put you under and wait along with your God patiently without complaining and longing for God to get the glory. May we go after it with him. And a huge deal that we go after that. And I'm just telling you, it's easy for us to look at our pain and look at our suffering and not like what we're going after. I just wrote these words down this week. Pain brings awareness. It brings awareness that something is wrong, right? Pain brings awareness, which when we are faithful, brings endurance and ultimately maturity. Pain brings awareness, which when we are faithful, brings endurance and ultimately maturity. Pain wakes us up to the need for something to change. And as we hang on, as we endure with, as we walk with our God, as we let him do his thing, he starts maturing us and building in us an endurance and a maturity. May God get all the glory. That's a lot of words, man. Let's just put it into a Gold's Gym statement. No pain, no gain, right? No pain, no gain. 
Let's just recognize that God knows what he's doing as he allows things to walk on our shore. He is walking us through things to be able to wake us up to the need for something to be transformed and God is doing a work. Man, are you confused with what God has placed you in? Are you wondering where your God is at? Know this, your merciful God loves you and he's pouring it in regularly daily. Your purposeful God is looking to mature you and grow you. Trust in him. May God get all the glory. He says, let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. This is basically saying the same thing as wait quietly. It's rephrasing it, right? A lot of the Hebrew poetry was to say it and then say it again with a little bit different words. And it means hang in there. Don't rebel. Don't let your words shake a fist at God. Sit alone in silence when this affliction is laid on you. When something is washing on your shore to be able to say, Lord God, I am right here with you and I am trusting you. And Lord, I don't see the answer. And Lord, I'm not even seeing what you're doing in me to make the change, but I long for you to do your work. Wait patiently and quietly, not complaining to other people, not complaining to your God, but letting him do a work. By the way, not wrong at all to be clear with your God that this does hurt. Big difference between being like, Lord, I'm just being real. This hurts. This is such a load. And saying, why are you doing it? Right? As soon as we turn the corner into questioning God, now we're getting into complaining and whining. But saying, Lord, this hurts. And Lord, I'm handing you this struggle. Lord, this is tough. I'm freaking out with this. Lord, what's coming next? I long for you to do a work. I'm not complaining in that or whining. I'm just handing it to him. Such a difference. Be clear on what you're struggling with with your God, but don't turn the corner into questioning and challenging your God. And all of God's people said, amen, man. That's waiting silently on him. And recognizing with him, it says, let him put his mouth in the dust. Now for us today, we'd be like, why? Why would we do that? Well, just so you know, uh, for those who lived east of the Middle Easterners, right? Well, they used to use the word Oriental or Asian, whatever you want to say. But those who are far east, they, they would lay down in the dust and they would put their mouth into the dust as a statement that they were submitting under. It was a visual image that said, fine, I am completely broken down and I am yours. And they would lay down and let the dirt touch their mouth. It said that they would lay down, put their mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Why were they submitting like that? Because they recognized that there was someone in charge over them and they were putting themselves humbly under and they were saying, I long for you to do a work. They were putting their hope in someone or something. Didn't necessarily mean their worship in this place. It might have been some king or ruler, but they were trying to submit under with a hope that something might change in their life. Man, may we live in submission to our God. That's what Jeremiah is calling out. Submit well. There is hope in our king. May we trust in him. It says, let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. Let him be filled with insults. Be willing to have that affliction. Ready? Continue as God so sees fit. As God so sees fit. Lord God, 
I am turning myself, I'm submitting myself, I am letting you do a work. I'm not gonna just kick against it because I've had enough. Lord, I long for you and your mercy to pour in. I'm hearing from you. It says, for the Lord will not cast off forever. Why do we humble ourselves into the dirt? Why do we take the insult one more moment or the hit? Why? Because he says, hang on, my mercy's coming. My refreshment's coming. My compassion's coming. I may even release the entirety of the affliction and that freedom is coming. Hang on. Hang in. Everybody just say, hang on. Man, that's a big part of the waiting. Hang on. Your God of love, your God of power is right here with you. Hang on. In the midst of the confusion, know this. Your God will not cast off forever. He will step in. It says, but though he caused grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Though he caused grief. And now we're going to enter into a little moment, which he gets into a lot more in the third point, but sovereignty. Our God is in charge of everything, right? If he's not sovereign over all, he is not sovereign at all. All. We've said that before around here a number of times. If he is not sovereign over all, he is not sovereign at all. The word sovereign means over everything. We can't say he's sovereign, but not over the bad stuff. That doesn't work. And so this scripture is clearly saying, yes, God is absolutely sovereign. He does have a role even in the afflictions that touch us. And please hear me. God does make good things happen. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights where there is no changing, none at all. Every good gift God does, he makes, he makes all the good in our lives. He does at times allow some bad, some sin, some affliction, some brokenness of this world to wash on our shore. And hear me on this. And he disallows almost all of the brokenness of this world from washing on our shore. There are little bits that touch us, measured by our God, as he allows in with his love and he is getting ready to pour his compassion on. Every moment he opens up his fingers to let a little bit wash in on your shore, he is also pouring in the comfort and he is pouring in the steadfast love saying, I love you and I'm with you. Don't worry, you're not alone. That's our God's plan in the midst. And he's like, just so you know, our God who is sovereign over, yes, he may have caused the grief. He will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, according to his love. Right back to point number one. According to the thing that we can count on. Your God working in your life as he allows something to wash in. Just humbly wait under and watch your God work. And as you worship him, he is going to be growing you up like you would not believe. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve his children uh, or the children of men. The bottom line is he's not sitting there saying, my goal every day when I wake up, when I get into kind of getting into life, my goal is to try to cause pain all over the place. Everybody say, not that. Like, that's not our God. He's like, no, I never sleep. I never slumber. I never miss a call. And I'm telling you every moment where I allow something to wash in, I am pouring on my comfort. I am pouring in my care. Hang on. Your God right with you. He loves you. He knows exactly what's going on. There is an appropriateness to his comfort. And there is a timeliness to his bringing an end to affliction. 
God knows exactly what he's doing. Trust him. Wait patiently. And whatever it is you're going through, hang on. God's doing an amazing work. I'll just say it this way. God's forming a pearl of absolute perfection in our soul. And it happens through the function of pressure. Wouldn't it be nice if pearls were not formed by pressure at all? Right? But pearls are formed by pressure. And as God allows some affliction to wash in, he is also bringing the comfort so you can bear under. He knows what you're going through. Hang on and wait on him. He is bringing in your soul an endurance and a maturity. He is building a pearl that is absolutely glorifying to God Almighty. May we worship him. Our God taking our life and using us as a testimony to his greatness. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. It's a huge deal. Well, you know, we're in this coronavirus, a lot going on. And, uh, you know, we've had promises of stimulus checks, things like that. I know there were a number that actually got stimulus checks right away the first week. And uh, we did not. Our family did not. And I was kind of wondering what was going on. I looked into the details of it. It turns out that if you had in some way um, gotten an automatic bank deposit the year before, they were going to use that bank number and they would deposit again with that. And so if you ended up getting that stimulus check from the government right away, well, that's because they ended up knowing your bank deposit numbers and they used that. We actually had not given them a bank deposit number. And so then people had to wait. And they started saying, just so you know, it could be weeks, it could even be months. Some people may not be getting checks until May or June or July or maybe even August or September, but it's coming, right? And, uh, and so we were like, okay, well, that's great. It's nice that we'll have a, a check coming. And uh, so we were kind of thinking that would be good to have. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't even say counting on it. It's not like we needed to re- depend on that moment, but it was nice to have. And, and then a couple of weeks went by and we're like, or is it coming, right? And then we went a couple of, a month and a half. We're like, what is going on? Maybe it's not gonna happen. I'm looking up details like who gets, who doesn't get, what's going on with. I'm not sure if we're getting it or not. And, and uh, it got to the end where I'm like, I don't know. If it comes, that's great. If it doesn't, that's fine. And then last week, actually, we got our check in the mail. Praise God for that. We're happy to be able to have that happen and come through. But here's the reality. My hope was pretty wavering. My doubt was pretty high. And I, in the end, got to a point where I was like, if it comes, that's great. And if not, oh well. May we not walk with our God like that. May we not hope with a ton of doubt. And if it takes a little while, then I'm probably just going to shrug my shoulders and go, I don't know, maybe it's just not even coming. May that not be our hope. And all of God's people said, may we hope with confidence and endurance and certainty and with daily refreshment as our God is pouring in. Yes, he may have opened his hand up a little and allowed something to touch you or to touch us as a church, but know this, he is pouring in a comfort at the same time. Trust in him. Hope. How are you doing at waiting on your God? Are you waiting with certainty or are you waiting with doubt? May we wait on him with all the confidence in the world. May God get all the glory, okay? And point number three, count on the God who is holy and sovereign. Count on the God who is holy and sovereign. It says, um, 
to crush underfoot all the prisoners of the earth. Now I'm just going to ask you to say one word out loud. Ready? Just say this word out loud. Say the word unfair. Just say it out loud. Say it bigger. Unfair. Okay. Say it louder. Say it bigger. Don't miss this jump on. Unfair. Okay. So here we go. To crush underfoot all the prisoners of the earth. Unfair. Um, to deny a man justice in the presence of the Most High. Everybody say unfair. Right? To subvert a man in his lawsuit. Everybody say unfair. Yeah, Jeremiah is listing things that are absolutely unfair. And then he says, the Lord does not approve. I love that moment. This is a moment where Jeremiah is even talking to himself and he's like, there's this that's wrong that's happening and this injustice and this injustice. God does not approve. What does that mean for his sovereignty? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, God makes the good to happen. At times, God may choose to allow something to wash on your shore, but please hear me for a moment. When God is allowing something to wash on our shore that hurts, that brings us into struggle, and he's looking to be able to transform us and conform us to the image of Christ in the process, right? The verse goes, all things work together for good, but please hear me. All things work together for good is a far cry from all things are good. Let that settle. All things work together for good is a far cry from all things are good. All things work together for good counts on one thing being good. God Almighty. He himself is good. And he will guarantee a good outcome as we lean on him and trust in him. But it doesn't mean that every circumstance and every injustice, everything that even washes through and allows, God allows through his fingers to happen to us, doesn't mean he's like, I approve of that. He's like, that's sin, that's wrong, I don't like it, but I'm telling you, this broken world, I'm going to allow a little of that to wash on your shore so that we can do an amazing work in you. Hang on and watch me work. Look what he has to say now. He says, who has spoken and it has come to pass unless the Lord has commanded it. He's like, let's just talk about sovereignty. Do any of us as human beings get to command and demand and make something happen? And it happens? Absolutely not. I can be like, I'm going to wash my car and I want it to be clean for a week. And I wash my car and like five minutes later, the rain starts pouring down and it's got dust in the rain like crazy. And my car looks like junk for the rest of the week, right? What I want is a thought. It's a plan. It's a hope. But my God is in this. And so I'm leaning on him and I'm trusting in him. The good is my God. And as he allows something to touch me, I'm going to lean on him in that. He's going to bring mercies and compassion to endure through. And he's going to transform my soul in the process. Don't miss that hope. All things work together for good, but not, yeah, just all things are good. Not that. And he's like, the Lord does not approve. He has spoken. Who has spoken and it happens unless the Lord has commanded it. God's in charge. God is sovereign. It says, it is not from, is it not from the mouth of the most high that good and bad come? And here we go, right? So God is making the good to happen. God is allowing for that bad to come in and touch. We have this authority of our God working in our lives. God is sovereign and God is disallowing most brokenness to touch us. And the fair question for us is, why would you allow any brokenness to touch me, God? And if there's injustice, why would you let it happen? And the last verse begins to address that. Just so you know, this is actually called a theodicy, an explanation of evil. And Jeremiah says, why should a living man complain, a man 
about the punishment of his sins. Bluntly, and we are all sinners, and our sin has brought hurt and brokenness into this world. And then we become experts at complaining about how somebody else's sin washes on our shore. But we're really okay if my sin washes out onto somebody else's shore, right? And he's like, just so we're super clear, be careful. Sin washing on your shore is a huge deal and it does matter to God. But know this, we all live in a broken world because we broke the world. And our number one complaint is, God, how could you let this happen to me? Know this, your God loves you. Your God is good and perfect. He is working in this broken world. Praise God for that. And he is allowing for a little bit of it to touch us, to reveal to us what needs to change in us and where our worship needs to be shaped to him. May he get all the glory. He is purposeful. He is merciful. He is sovereign. And God has a plan. Hope, with absolute certainty, hope in your God who has it in hand. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Well, I got to tell you, I just wanted to close with one quick statement. And let's just talk about planning for a moment. Plan. Um, We've been planning a little bit of what it's going to look like for us to come back together as a church. And I'll tell you, we had some plans in place. We've got a lot locked down. In fact, you should have an email by the end of this weekend in your inbox. Take a look at it. And I'm just going to give you a quick moment. But I'll say this. Our plan right now is to try to be walking through, uh, figuring out what's going on with uh, requests in Illinois and the laws and what we're allowed to do and then getting the church back together as soon as we can. And there's been some things that happened this past week that basically said it looks like the church is going to be allowed to open up and then something happened Friday night that said, maybe not, hang on. And so there's some different things going on. I'll just say this, here's where we're at. We're going to long to pull our church together as we enter into, ready, phase four of what the state of Illinois has as phases. Right now we're in phase three. So we're gonna say June 7th, 14th, and 21st, we're going online still. The next three weeks we're gonna be online, online only, 7, 14, and 21. That's our plan. And then we're looking right now, we're hoping, we're praying, right? Everybody just say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we are longing for June 28th, that's the first Sunday in phase four, to begin to bring together some form of in-person services. Right now, we're hoping for those to be like 500-person services and bring those together. We're going to be continuing to monitor that and watch over that, but that's our thought right now. Gives you a little clarity to where we're headed. The next three weeks, we're doing online. Here's my request. June is a time where we have been given privilege by the state to begin to enjoy 10-person gatherings to be able to rally around those 10-person gatherings. Do that, man. Get together with friends. Enjoy time out in the backyard. Man, rally another family or group of friends together on Sundays. Start doing watch parties or worship parties on Sunday with that 10 number or less and making much of the relationships we have. May we build this church back 10 at a time. And all of God's people said, And don't miss that. Take advantage of what we have in this early part of June. Let's use those tens and be pulling it together relationally. And we're going to be doing the same as a church all over the place, trying to do that with different ministry pieces. And then as we get towards the end, we're going to try to start pulling together a larger gathering on June 28th. Obviously, the online is still going to be going on. We're going forward with online no matter what. But at that point, trying to add in in in-person services starting June 28th, if the Lord wills. That's where we're at. We hold loosely to our plans 
and we hold massively to our God. Our hope is in our God, not in our plans. And all of God's people said, amen, man. May we hope in the God who is merciful. May we hope in the God who is purposeful. May we place our certainty in him and wait without doubt, tasting of his mercy every day. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Let's pray.